Hey everybody, this is John Maroon. Welcome to Spin is a Four-Letter Word, the Maroon PR podcast, all things public relations and communications and media, etc., etc. Joining us as usual is Brittany Everett, our producer. Hello, Britt, silent but deadly. And joining us for the first time uh, on the pod is one of our account directors, Nicole Durante. Hey, Nicole. Hey, John. It's really glad that you're here. I know we're excited because who we spoke to today and who you're going to hear from in a minute is Rob Nelson, who is the inventor and founder um, of Big League Chew, the iconic bubblegum brand and longtime client in Maroon PR. And uh, it's always fun talking to Nelly. There's so many stories. I think this podcast could probably go on three hours if we let it. <laughs> you know, it definitely can. But I will tell you one thing is this podcast will definitely be bubblegum fun. This is bubblegum fun for <laughs> sure. I think I also made a mistake and make a reveal during this podcast about something I wasn't supposed to as well. So without further ado... Um, here he is, Rob Nelson, the man who brought you, the universe, Big League Chew. Nelly, welcome to the podcast, and thank you so much. What a, what a buildup. Uh, thanks for being here. I, I usually get the great Gumbino, but but I'll, I'll take... <laughs> the great Gumbino is pretty good. I love it. Now, listen, for everybody listening, I, I've had the honor of knowing Rob Nelson. I met him through his uh, friendship with Cal and Bill Ripken years and years and years ago, and I think um, about... Gosh, seven or eight years ago is when when Nelly brought us on to help him with his great brand and um, you know get get Big League Chew a little more love in the media and get them up to speed on the social and digital space. But uh, Nelly, look, I it's been nothing but great working with you and Big League Chew. How are how are things going in in the universe these days? Uh, well, you know the bubble hasn't burst, and uh, <laughs> we're lucky about that. You know the COVID fog is is going away and Ford gum up in uh, Akron New York just outside of Buffalo is just doing a uh, spectacular job and uh, I usually when I need some gum for a tournament or a kids camp or something I can get it in 24 hours and now I've got to wait 72 hours so that's a good thing I'm glad they're taking care of the customers before the inventor because I'm not going anywhere uh, but things are going really well it was about oh 12 years ago when I left Wrigley because the Mars company was buying them out. And I have a strong brand and a fun brand, but it's not huge And uh, by Wrigley and Mars standards. And the Wrigley company was great in terms of me taking a, I left a year early. It was like a ball player taking a, an option on a contract. And I had a great agent in Chicago, uh, Bob Anderson, and we just went shopping with uh, an iconic bubblegum brand. And I got exactly what I was looking for, a small company based in the U.S. Ford Gum is just outside of Buffalo, New York. I think the clincher going to Ford Gum was they filmed the movie The Natural there. And, and also it's the, where Warren Spahn grew up, the winningest left-hander in wow. baseball history. So it's funny the things that have nothing to do with business that clinch it for you. But uh, George Steggy and his, the Ford Gum team, those guys have just been awesome. So I really i am grateful for them. And, and you guys, of course, work so well with Ford Gum. Uh, it really feels uh, – it just feels perfect. You know, we're a simple brand. We don't do anything except bubblegum in shreds and some bubblegum balls and – and I purposely kept it that way. I didn't want to become all things to all people. Uh, 
I've had a lot of interviews. It was, I think Steve Sachs said quite some time ago on a ESPN radio broadcast, he said, Nelly, I just love the fact that you guys kept it what it is and what it was. And that was the plan. Our, our goal is to just make the gum better and just emphasize the Big League Chew is bubblegum fun. That was a long answer. Sorry. <laughs> it, was a good, it was a good answer. But Nelly, before I bring Nicole in, um, for those people that don't know, tell everybody a little bit about how this happened. How the heck did Big League Chew become a thing? A left-handed pitcher from Cornell, traveling the world, ends up in Portland, Oregon. How'd this become an idea? You know, it, it's a fun story, and I don't know how much time we have, but basically I only had one good year in college. Uh, and even my college life, I, I pitched well in high school, only go, got recruited by one school, a little Marietta College D3 program. I went there for a year, uh, sat mostly in the bullpen and watched Kent Tacovey work his magic. Uh, my highlight at Marietta was I pitched against Mike Schmidt, and he went 0 for 4, and that was Ohio University. But one win in the whole spring wasn't going to do it for me, and it just wasn't a good fit. They had a lot of lefties there who, frankly, were better than I was. So I left D3. I went to community college. I worked at Kennedy Airport, Air Freight, United Airlines. I'm grateful to those guys. And uh, I, I pitched briefly and ineffectively at the community college level, but I pitched well in the summers at St. John's University in the Atlanta Collegiate League. And through my coach, great guy, Al Goldis, and Mr. Jack Kaiser from St. John's, the former coach and then at the time athletic director, they really lobbied hard for me to get into Cornell. You know, I'm a St. John's grad. Right? I, I did yeah, know that. Yeah. And uh, they talk about you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Sorry. But it was, you know, it's really one of those things that takes a village. So I go to Cornell. I don't do particularly well my junior year. My senior year, typically three guys got hurt, and they threw me in against Princeton, and I shut them out. And the the rest is history. I mean, that one good year, it's like one month where I beat Princeton, Penn, Brown, got hammered by Harvard, came back, won another game, and was just so happy to be on the bump. And after I got out, uh, there were no opportunities really for me in the States. So I ended up, long story short, I overheard two guys in a pub in Ithaca, New York, talking about uh, baseball in Cape Town, South Africa. And I went to the Cornell coach, Coach Ted Thorne, and said, what do you know about uh, Cape Town baseball? And he said, Rob, this would be perfect. I ended up getting a middle school teaching job. I pitched on weekends. I was like 25 years old. Everybody should be 25 and have a year like I had. It was so much fun. And I was going to go for six months. I ended up going back and forth about six years. And my dad had sent me a packet of clippings from the Sporting News uh, when I was in South Africa. And I'd had two great seasons there. And, of course, you're in the middle 20s. You think it's you. I think maybe I'm a late bloomer. And, I'm, I'm you know, I can go back to America and somebody's going to say, I remember this guy. Uh, but it wasn't. It was just the competition wasn't quite that good. But when I saw this clipping from the Sporting News, anybody could try out for Bing Russell's uh, uh, misfit toys out in Portland called the Portland Mavericks. I went back to Long Island where I grew up, did a month's worth of substitute teaching to get enough money to go to Oregon. And uh, frankly, I didn't know how to say Oregon when I went out there. So I'm going to Oregon, you uh, know, to. Uh, that's, that's a lethal mistake out there, isn't oh, it? Oh, man, kiss of death. <laughs> you know, I've been there 45 years now, so I got it down, you know. But uh, I went to Portland, and, and again, I, I got hit like a pinata. You know, I just, the difference between the Ivy League and the Northwest League was, was enormous, as the Brits would say, like chalk and cheese. But uh, Bing Russell, he was the deputy sheriff on Bonanza. He was a Dartmouth guy. He's the father of Kurt Russell. Kurt was a teammate. He just loved having guys around who loved baseball. 
And he knew that I really didn't have the goods to help him on the hill, but I, I wrote a proposal that he accepted. I started the Little Mavericks Baseball School, and I had a kids' day camp. The kids who weren't playing, the guys who weren't playing very much with the Mavs worked for me from 9 to 12 every morning, and that's how I paid my way to stay in Oregon. Long story short, I pitched there for three years, and I won one game in three seasons. And I did an interview out in L.A. I forget the woman's name, but she said, you know, I've looked at your stats. Why did they invite you back in the second year and the third year? <laughs> but, you know, it was one of those things. It was the love of the game and an owner who saw the big picture. He wanted guys who had respect for the game and could bring something to his, uh, basically his production. He looked at the Mavericks like it was a, like it was a play. And the, the documentary on Netflix, The Battered Bastards of Baseball, it's 80 minutes long, and every piece of it is true and funny and sometimes sad, but every bit of it is true. Uh, even one of our bat boys, he's, he, he got into film and, and acting yeah. because he said there were 25 guys in that team and 21 of them couldn't play a lick, but they had so much fun playing. And that was my, that was my story, that I was not a very good player. I became the pitching coach. I sat in the bullpen. I had a lot of time on my hands. And looking at guys chewing and spitting red man, I turned to Jim Bouton, teammate with the Mavs, another story altogether. And uh, and I said, did you ever chew, chew red man? He said, I tried it once, maybe for five minutes. And, and no, it never made sense to me. And I said, funny, me too. And maybe an inning or two later, I said, I've been thinking about shredding bubble gum and putting it in the pouch so we can look good but not get ill. And Jim Bouton, and I'd shared this idea with some other people, but Jim Bouton was the only guy who said the two magic things. The first one everybody said, which was, I love this idea. And the second thing he said was, I can sell this idea. And that was the wow. key. So the business was started in August of 1977 in the right field bullpen. Jim Bouton and I shook hands. And he put up about eight or $10,000 to do the legal work. And again, I feel like Forrest Gump, that's uh, everywhere I want, something, something good happened to me. One of the dads of one of the boys in the baseball camp was a patent and trademark guy. Wow. He did all that work for me for peanuts. And uh, one thing after another, Jim just pounded the pavement. He used to say that Rob had the inspiration and I'm the perspiration. And, and that's true. Yeah. There'd be no big league shoe without Jim Bounton. Uh, so that's the story. A guy with a lot of time on his hands looking for one uh, – one new thing to keep me in the bullpen or maybe on the mound once in a while. So I guess the, the moral of the story is dream big. You know. Nelly, tell me a little bit about um, Big League Chew today. Uh, it, it seems like it's on the rise. It's growing. It's selling really, really well. Things are going good. Ford Gum's a great partner. Um, where do you want to see it go at this point? Is there another place we just, you know, last year was the girl pouch uh, or two years ago and, you know, things keep progressing there. Do you have any uh, any aspirations for new stuff? You know, it, it's, it's hard for me to say. Like I said, I was a middle school teacher and I had a little, you know, bent for business, you know, mowing lawns and doing things like that, getting through high school. I mean, I was my senior year in high school delivering newspapers to the school teachers. I always found a way to kind of make a living and have gas in my car. And with Big League Shoe, it's not much different. The emphasis is that it's a great bubblegum. That's the big thing. You can have all the PR and all the uh, uh, all the bells and whistles, but at the bottom line, if you don't have something that's truly original and great, it's not going to fly. 
Now, as luck would have it, I have a company who really knows how to make gum. They know how to package it. I have a PR agency that understands you guys get me. You understand that, okay, well, Nelly's left-handed. He's a little bit different. But <laughs> but, but I've got my eyes on the prize all the time. So I don't see Big League Chew becoming a, you know, a Slurpee or... Or, or something beyond bubblegum. Once in a while, we'll have a one-off. We did a thing a couple of years ago with New Balance, and yep. we had big league shoes, and those were huge. It was fun. But everything we do now uh, points to helping us sell more gum and selling what I call the gospel of the gum, that big league shoe is fun, it's something you share, and it's a high-quality product. And you guys have just nailed it time and time again. We emphasize how much fun this brand is. Getting the girl on the pouch has just added fun exponentially. And, and when people find out I'm the gum guy, everybody's got a big league shoe story. Yeah. That really makes me happy. We, uh, I'll go out to dinner, and it'll be a waiter, a bartender, the maitre d'. When they find out, like, I'm the equivalent of Mr. Wonka, <laughs> everybody has a story. That's and true. that's So in terms of what my, my goal is, I want more people to know the story. I want more people to know that we're talking about quality. Yeah. I, I'll come up with wacky ideas, and I'll say, is there some way we can put 5% more in the pouch with the production lines and just not tell anybody? And they said, what are you talking about? Of course you're I said, no, I don't want to scream it from the rooftops. And I used to tell the story my brother, Ed, when, when the role of uh, the Tootsie Roll thing had like eight segments and they cut it down to seven. And, and, and uh, are we allowed to swear on a podcast? Yeah. Anyway, my, my brother, Ed, Encouraged. He, he got his Tootsie Roll and there was only, he counted them. You know, and he said, this is bullshit. There's only seven <laughs> of these. There should be eight of these. So kids know. Yeah. I mean, when, I, so I want people to know that we're, yeah. we're concerned about quality and quantity and fun and we are the ball players bubblegum i mean it's it you know and for for somebody who has no advertising background i'll wake up at three in the morning and i'll scribble stuff i can't even read and then in the morning what does that say oh yeah bubblegum's better when it comes from a shredder you know and that that's like our mantra now and they say where do you get that from well i guess growing up with my two brothers and son of a new york city cop you know it's just we led the league in fun in my household well look if, if any if anybody's listening doesn't pick up on this already Rob Nelson's one of the most creative minds I've ever had the honor of being around and it's just fun he'll text me these ideas for different football leagues at 2 a.m. and and all sorts of stuff and it is a joy Nicole I want to bring you in a little bit you've been involved in the account for a couple of years now and you've been running the social media talk a little bit about what you've seen the engagement with folks and how that how this brand resonates with them is pretty unique so Big League Chew is all about bubblegum fun, like Rob says. It's the ballplayer's gum, but emphasis on fun. And we've been able to have so much fun and so much creativity with the brand that social media is really elevating the brand. It's taking this nostalgic company and it's bringing it back to life pretty much. Um, and, you know, social media is where everyone's at. So we're having that chance to do that. I mean, throughout the pandemic, we were able to grow the brand, you know, if you want to talk numbers, over 5,000 followers just on their Instagram platform. Um, it got to the point where I knew what their followers wanted and their fans wanted, and it was product. It was creativity. And I got to have bubblegum fun in my driveway, in my front yard, yeah. in my backyard with my neighbors watching me scoop out a watermelon, throw some shreds into a watermelon, and post it on <laughs> National Watermelon Day. And you know what? People love it. Awesome. They send it to their friends. They send it you know, to their parents. They comment. They say, oh, my God, like, I love this. I'm going to do this. Um, 
and then getting you know influencers involved so you know other athletes you know we have an olympic athlete that we're working with right now she's heading to the olympics and she's working with the brand she's elevating the brand she's getting more people interested in it um you know showing off the softball pouch and that's been a huge thing for um for the fans of big league chew is bringing that softball pouch in and not only giving it its own pouch but giving it its own flavor um, and it's been really cool to see how you know fans really engage with the brand. I think it's a real credit, Nelly, to you and to Brian and Steve and the guys at Ford Gum um, to be so open to this sort of thing. You know, when when you took us on, we we took some baby steps early on in our relationship, and I think as things started to show itself, I just think you guys have been very open to us having fun, going the extra mile, being a little bit different and edgy. And I, I hope it's paid dividends, but kudos to you because a lot of a lot of brands that are well-established aren't as open to experimenting and having fun. I, absolutely right. I think if you, if you keep your eyes on the prize and you look at the big picture, and, and, and I think one of the things is that because we're a baseball-related brand, baseball is built on failure. You know, the guys who fail 70% of the time, a lot of them are in the Hall of Fame. So in terms of Big League Chew, if we have a promotion that doesn't pan out just the way it was, all right, what's next kind of thing? It's it's like we don't dwell on ground balls that go between a third baseman's legs. It's like this is, we're in this thing for the long haul, and uh, we're not going to stray from uh, – who we are and, and and what we do. And that really dramatically simplifies things for us. And I will say the six, eight years that you guys have been here, it's just been a dream come true for me because you guys, you guys get it. I mean, I, I really, I, I can't emphasize that enough to, to work with professionals. So here I am, I'm Fred Flintstone in a George <laughs> Jetson world, right? And, 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 you know, with all my dad jokes and all my bad ideas and stuff, you know, so, uh, you know, if, if 2% of mine are worth something, that's what you guys figure out, you know, so we'll have a conference call and, you know, I'll, I'll go on and on and on. And about 30 seconds say, you know, that one thing Rob said really works. And then you guys, you guys glean from my random shots of what's going to fly. And then, and then we do it. And a lot of companies, I mean, when I was no, with all due respect for Wrigley, I, I was really a flea on the elephant there. I just, I, I really didn't have a voice. I don't think they got past the idea that I was a, a marginal minor league ball player, and you guys have embraced that. And I think that's really helped me a lot. When I tell the story about Big League Chew and I say that I was a community college guy who ended up going to Cornell, it's like when I got that acceptance letter, it felt like I got called up by the Yankees. And that's just, that's part of, of, the luck that I've had. When Bing Russell found out this kid from uh, Connecticut was coming uh, to try for the Mavericks with an Ivy League degree, I think he really thought I was going to be like a spoiled pain in the ass. And it turned out, you know, as a blue-collar kid, you know, who mowed lawns and sold newspapers and and was willing to do a baseball day camp. As it turned out, I, I did six hours a day, nine to noon, one to four, and then I'd sit in the stands with the kids who were in the camp behind the dugout. I was doing 12-hour days. And I could not have been happier. And guys like Bing Russell get it. So when I get to talk in classrooms, I'll just say, don't be afraid to embarrass yourself because your dreams are too big because you never know. And I will end with one thing. One of my teammates in the Maverick bullpen got tired of, of all my nonsense. And he, and he said, you know, Rob, your problem is you think about too many things that don't matter. And Bouton leaned over and he said, how do you know? 
It was <laughs> such a great line. Like, you don't know what doesn't matter unless you That's throw it out there. It's kind of like stand-up. I, I've, I've been traveling cross-country now by car from Portland, Oregon, and I'll end up on the east end of Long Island. And uh, I was listening to Jerry Seinfeld's book, uh, uh, Is This Anything? And he grew up in my hometown, Massapequa, New York. And he talks about trial and error as a comedian and coming up with bad material and then just massaging it and making it better. His dad, Cal, was a big supporter of, uh, of Little League Baseball, Cal Seinfeld. His signs had his autograph in the bottom corner, and he spelled it S-I-G-N. F-E-L-D, because he was a sign guy. And and Jerry talks about it in the book that his dad yeah. was one of the funniest guys he ever knew. But there are so many people who made it big who didn't just roll out of bed and all of a sudden they were Kurt Russell. You know, they worked at what they had to do, and Jerry is one of them. And getting back to you guys, you guys understand that. You don't have to be perfect. And, and I love the fact that you come up with ideas and you're not afraid for me to say, boy, that really sucks. Uh, and that never that uh, that has never happened. You know, I was about to say I don't know if I've gotten that yet. <laughs> <laughs> but if it does, don't take it personally. But uh, no. but that's the whole thing that that it is trial and error, and and uh, you don't get to do that much with a brand because you've got shareholders, you've got people who you, you you've got jobs on the assembly line and so forth. And I think if you as long as you you treat the thing with with integrity and with respect for the brand and also the buying public. You know, you don't insult them. You give them high quality, and if you can, high qual a quantity, right. and uh, and hope for the best. Simplicity is the is the key, and and I'm grateful to Maroon PR because you guys get that. Well, thank you, Rob. That's really that's really um kind of you, and we appreciate it. And I will say this, and Nicole can back me up here. Like I. There's very few times that we're working with somebody that literally everyone in the company has an idea, gets excited about, wants to hear about, wants to see, wants to contribute. I mean, I think uh, Nicole and Britt and Sarah Hill, our graphic designer, they get more ideas, unsolicited ideas from staff <laughs> about, about Big League Chew than anybody. It's just fun to be around, right? Yeah, no, it is. We actually had a meeting this afternoon, and we were just spitballing ideas, and some of them seemed really crazy, but we said that it's the perfect fit for the brand. And like Rob said, you know, it is trial and error, and that translates to, you know, media and social media, and, you know, we try something, and sometimes it doesn't work for the brand, and sometimes we do something, and, you know, it explodes, and everyone loves it, and it definitely helps like elevate the brand um so it's definitely trial and error both with product and with you know pr so nicole i mean you've worked on all sorts of different accounts in your time with us and your time with your previous agency but like when you're sending product out to media members is it where where else do you get the responses that you get it's always a reaction it's always some memory it's always something isn't it yeah we recently sent a whole bunch of pouches to a bunch of media members um at fox and it was like little kids opening up presents on christmas morning <laughs> um some of the pictures were just their pictures of them as reporters their headshots and some of them were you know them as little kids playing ball and you know they just say it's like childhood memories just flood back um um, and they can't be more elated. Um, yeah. You know, it's not something that they get all the time. It's not something that they think, oh, Big League Chew, it's, you know, floods memories back and it's like a special moment for them when they get that pouch um you know nowadays you have kids that see the pouch and they don't understand the, the story behind it and you know we have a lot of these reporters that have kids and they say that they share their stories with their kids and that they like to see you know the legacy of big league chew live on as the generations continue that's really sweet yeah that's really cool hey listen two things before we wrap up and uh that 
We should mention that most of our podcast guests are on via phone. Rob Nelson is sitting in this room with us and uh, <laughs> and here in the flesh, which is awesome. And we love having him here, which is a great joy. Nice to be here. A little bit road uh, weary, yeah. but uh, happy to be here. He drove here from Portland, Oregon to record this podcast. It's <laughs> <laughs> Um, Rob is the original Shredhead. I don't know if you know that. We did come up with, you know, the Big League Chew fans are now Shredheads. So if you are a fan of Big League Chew, you are officially a Shredhead. I love that, by the way. <laughs> Shredheads is fantastic. Fa- fabulous. See, you're rubbing off on her. Um, <laughs> hey, before we go, favorite flavor. What's your what's your go-to flavor, Nelly? You can have one of the one of the great Big League Chew flavors. What are you chewing? If I'm in a competition, I'm going to go with ground ball grape. It's a little more leathery than the other brands, and uh, I, I, I make bigger bubbles with ground ball grape. Mm. But it's funny. Early in the season, I ease my way into the year, and I start off with original. But, the, but my baseball camp, Southampton Baseball School, in August, uh, I'll be chewing almost exclusively grape. Nicole? Uh, Big Rally Blue Raspberry. Turns your tongue blue, it folks. Does. Turns Good your point. tongue blue. Good point. Now it that is, is bubblegum fun. <laughs> and now, Britt, which one do you go with? I'm also going with Big Rally Blue Raspberry, but I got to be careful chewing it in the office or else John will catch me and he'll know. There is. It's true. It, 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 there are telltale signs with the color. And by the way, I think that's the first time it Brittany is. Everett, producer, super producer Brittany Everett's voice has been on the podcast. Yes, the mystery has been solved now. We she all lives. know what I sound like. <laughs> she lives. I'm alive. Yeah. Yes. And I think a real Brit- person. Who knew? And I think Brittany and I and almost the entire Maroon PR office can answer the question about what John's favorite flavor is. It's true. And we're just going to go with Swing and Sour Apple because all the pouches are always missing. Yeah. Me, we can't keep <laughs> enough of it in stock. It's at the Maroon. I will give you. I will say this. Carolyn Maroon is now ordering it online from Amazon <laughs> because she's like, hey, we need to support the brand and you need to stop taking product that's meant to be mailing you, people. You married so, so well. <laughs> I I've got it under lock and key john yes. <laughs> she um yeah so so I, we are ordering it now and she's all excited it's they just started carrying it in the local giant food store and she <laughs> wants to start she it's like i'm buying it because i want there i want a buzz i want to create a buzz i said all right you create a buzz you go <laughs> that's great go. so like i said it just invokes a lot of excitement nelly um Thank you for this. Hey, uh, my pleasure. My it has pleasure. been a real ple- pleasure and great seeing you as always. It's been way too long. Last time we were just rec- remembering last time we saw Rob was doing a solar eclipse about five, <laughs> four or five years ago. So, um, and we, we, we looked at it properly. Uh-huh. <laughs> we looked at it with the right glasses uh, and our old office. So great having you. Honor working with you. We're excited you're in town and excited that we're going to continue the evening with you. Yeah, pleasure to be here. I will say this, you know, not blowing any smoke, but you guys are big league in every way, and I couldn't be happier working with you. Really appreciate it. I'm not going to lie, John. You did just tell every single person who follows Big League Chew who's behind Big League Chew's social media. That is true. I've been trying to keep it anonymous, but you just just let let it out of the bag. I blew it. I blew it. We can edit. We can edit that out. No, we can't. It's over. It's out. Everyone, the world knows now. Thanks for listening to Spin is a four-letter word. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe. Send us your feedback too. We want this to be interesting for everybody. And give us a follow at Maroon PR on Twitter and LinkedIn.